Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Well, we're in our series in the Gospel of John, exploring Jesus, um, uh, even as John uh, invites us to know Jesus more, the, the man who came into his life and, and touched and transformed him. And uh, John 3 is critical, this conversation with Nicodemus, to understanding John's central message about why Jesus comes, that Jesus matters, and how believing in him we can have life uh, that we were all made to have. Um, you know, and really what emerges in this passage is that living our own way is a dead-end existence, but we need a spiritual birth from above. You know, back in the, uh, uh, when Jimmy Carter was elected, the whole phrase about being born again obviously got, came into pop culture, um, and uh, God used that, but that's also been in some ways not so good uh, and, uh, and misused and misunderstood. Um, 29% of Americans would call themselves born again, and yet only 15% of those uh, would have a, a biblical worldview to agree that the Bible is uh, the highest authority, that, that uh, it's important for us to, to share our faith with our, our other, other non-believers, that Jesus died on the cross is the only sacrifice that, that could make a way for us to have God, to have a relationship with God, you know, uh, that... Uh, only those who trust in him will have eternal life. These basic things, only 15% of the people who call themselves born again would agree to all of those things. And so we've got some confusion. We've got a problem here uh, around this concept of what it means to be born again that Jesus was trying to get across to Nicodemus, right? And uh, PGA Work says that making fun of born-again Christians is sort of like hunting dairy cows with a high-powered rifle and a scope. <laughs> and we definitely have a target on us in our culture, for sure. Um, and I think partly that's because we haven't adequately explained biblically uh, what this means um, to make it more than just a cliche or a phrase. Um, and so we come here to John chapter 3, uh, because, you know, if you tell a neighbor that you're born again or a coworker, you can get an awkward response. Uh, the only thing worse is to tell them you're a pastor, and see, and there's always this awkward silence. It's like oh, I'm a funeral home director. <laughs> oh, okay, nice to meet you. Uh, but uh, so, uh, but Jesus is not awkward. He doesn't hesitate here in this conversation uh, when Nicodemus approaches him. Uh, he says, "Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews." Um, so. Nicodemus um, is a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. In Jesus' days, there were basically two camps or two different ways that people approach life. One were the moralists, right, who were trying to prove themselves good. The Pharisees would be among these who had made a list of do's and don'ts. You know, don't, uh, don't cuss, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. And they, they made sure that they were checked off on all of those um, in order to... Uh, to uh, live rightly in rule-based religion. But there were also the hedonists. It's the second group. And Jesus hangs out mainly with these people. Uh, and they're all about self-discovery, right? They're about pleasure. They're about life, living life to the fullest. Um, carpe diem. Uh, 
And uh, they'd opted out of the religious system, didn't really care about it, don't want, to, don't want to waste their time on that. They want to get all they can while they're here. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And so Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Jesus is addressing uh, uh, the spiritual understanding of the day. And uh, it's surprising that Nicodemus would come. Uh, this is, you know, it, so John sets up a tension that a Pharisee would come to Jesus in the night. Matter of fact, it's more than a Pharisee. John was, uh, uh, Nicodemus was on the Sanhedrin of the Supreme Court of Israel at that time. But he recognized that Jesus was the real deal. He says, this man, uh, he goes, what he says is, um, he says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one could do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So he, he gives a sign of respect, calling him Rabbi, teacher. Um, and so Nicodemus acknowledges that he, he knew Jesus was from God. But what he doesn't understand is that Jesus is God. And he did recognize, uh, however, like John does here in his gospel, that Jesus' identity is central. Under, you have to understand who Jesus is, and then everything else flows from him. And he even recognizes here John's main argument in the gospel, that Jesus is doing miracles, and therefore he proves that he is God. And that's what we talked about how the whole gospel is structured around seven signs pointing to the deity of Christ, to him as the Messiah, the one who came. Um, and Jesus answered him, and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, along with the moralists and the hedonists, Jesus is actually proposing a third way. That there is the true way, uh, is not through religion, it's not through pleasure, that it's through a relationship with God. It's finding eternal life through the Spirit by faith. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, truly, truly. Um, and uh, literally, amen, amen. You know, he's, I'm, what he's going to say is the truth, and it's, he's speaking with certainty. In, in Revelation, Jesus calls himself the amen. That He is the beginning of truth. He is the end of truth. He sums up all things. He is the center of all things, and that's why Christ is the center here at, at Crossway. We focus on Christ, that he be glorified in all that we do. Um, not just here on Sunday morning, but as we live, as we work, as we play, as we study. Uh, and um, Jesus said, I am truth in John 14, 6. Um, and so he's, what he's going to say here, he's going to say with certainty, truly, truly. He says, truly, truly, you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And that's you plural. He's not just speaking just to Nicodemus here. He's, he's making a broader principle that applies to all of us. Um, is what Jesus is saying. Now, before we talk about what it means to be born again, we need to unpack a little bit what Jesus is talking about, the kingdom of God. Because this is what Nicodemus was looking for. He, as a Pharisee, the Pharisees were looking for the Messiah to come to bring the kingdom of God. They were looking at Old Testament past, uh, prophecies so that they could see when they're fulfilled. And um, because the first kingdom of Israel had had human kings, and the Old Testament tells that story. Uh, but because of their unfaithfulness to God, God allowed that kingdom to be destroyed. And they, lived, they were sent into exile. Now, a matter of fact, they're under Roman occupation during this time when Jesus comes. 
And so they were looking for a coming Messiah. They were debating about this Messiah and about everything, all the rules that they would need to follow in order to be able to get into God's kingdom when it came. Uh, and so when Jesus says that they have to be born again, this is actually a very shocking thing because they thought that everyone who's in Israel would be a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, no, it's not that. It's based upon whether you've had a spiritual rebirth. Um, and so uh, Jesus says, in essence, okay, you say that I'm a teacher from God, all right? I'm going to tell you what the truth is. The truth is, no matter how many rules that you have, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You won't even know it if it's standing in front of you, which, of course, it was, because Jesus was the king. He himself personified the kingdom of God, and the Pharisees didn't recognize it. Many times people will say, you know, uh, uh, atheists like the one Fripp was talking about. Well, you know, if how can you prove if you could prove that God exists, then I would believe. And uh, the, the truth is, is that in Jesus' time, Jesus did miracles, but they didn't believe. They didn't recognize uh, the Messiah when he was standing in front of them. Uh, so the Pharisees didn't understand what the kingdom of God really was about, and and Jesus is clarifying that. He says in verse three. He says, um, uh, Jesus answered him and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus recognizes that Jesus is saying that there's some sort of change that has to happen, even if you're an adult who's followed, the, who's, who's tried to be religious all your life. How can, how can you, you can't go back and be born again? And, uh, of course, we had the arrival of a baby this week. Uh, the text had a, a healthy baby boy, and we rejoice in that. Um, and so Jesus is using this metaphor here of birth, right? But he's, he's, he's loading it with a different meaning of spiritual birth, spiritual rebirth. And the Pharisees had missed that even the Old Testament had prophesied about uh, the coming, uh, about uh, the, that there would be rebirth involved. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it said, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you, and I will remove your old heart of, of flesh and give you a stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes so that you will be careful to observe all my ordinances. It's the spirit that's now given to us that allows us to fulfill uh, God's, God's requirements and, and, and the law um, and to live out the law. It's not my own effort. Uh, like the Pharisees uh, and, and the, the, the Jews were thinking in that time. Uh, and so uh, uh, when Jesus says you have to be born of the water and the Spirit, um, he's alluding back to this passage that where Ezekiel talks about how the Spirit will live within you and will give you a new heart. He'll sprinkle us clean with water. Um, and so this has to be a spiritual birth. This has to be something the Spirit does, the Holy Spirit and so it's interesting here because in John chapter 3, you see once again the Trinity's present, right? He's going to speak about John, God the Father in verse 16. Jesus is speaking, but he's also speaking about the Spirit that um, God has to transform our life. We have to have regeneration. Now, I grew up in a Christian family, and I, I made a decision to trust Christ at a very young age. Uh, and... Uh, 
And the, even though I have a Christian family, it's a great blessing. But the truth is, is that we have to make a decision for ourselves. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And it doesn't matter how godly your mother was or your dad was, uh, or it, because you have to walk and follow Christ yourself. You have to make a decision for yourself. And that's, even though I trusted Christ at a young age, and I understood very simply uh, then that you know, God had loved me, that I had sinned, but that Christ had died for my sin, but that I needed to make a decision. And one night when my mom was tucking in my bed, I, told, I did that. Um, but then later on, I had to grow in my understanding of that relationship because being born again is not just a point in time. This is not just one and done. It, that is the beginning of a relationship that then grows as I follow Christ, as I get to know and unpack my identity. And for me in college, when I was disciple for the first time, was really where I began to, to grow uh, a lot more as I took ownership of my faith. Um, and so uh, that, that was part of my spiritual journey. But what Jesus is saying here is really radical. Um, he's saying that we can actually have the Spirit within us to help us live out God's ordinances. Um, that uh, and the Holy Spirit is critical for us to understand that He now indwells us and that that he now bears the fruit of godliness through us, the fruits of the Spirit, as Galatians 5 uh, talks about. Um, Because Jesus goes on in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that's born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And we just had Hurricane Idalia, and we saw all the effects of wind. Uh, we're very familiar with that here in Florida. Thank goodness uh, we were spared here, but we need to pray for those in uh, the Big Bend of Florida who, who were hit by it. You see that the wind has an effect. The wind has impact. The Holy Spirit is the same way. Jesus is actually making a playing on words here because the Greek word for spirit and wind is the same word, pneuma. Um, but he's saying that... that we have to have the, have the Holy Spirit touch and impact our life. And that's when we hear, I love hearing y'all's stories to hear uh, where that happened and who God used in that way, even as God gave Keith an opportunity this week to have a conversation. Um, and uh, the Holy Spirit is preparing people. He goes before us, right? He's the one who's working on their hearts. He's the one who touches and transforms them and makes them be born spiritually new. Well, verse 9, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him and said, that, as a teacher of Israel, you don't understand these things? Truly, I say to you, I speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive my testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except for he who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Once again, Jesus' identity here is crucial. He's come from heaven as the Son of Man. Therefore, he speaks authoritatively about what eternal life is. Um, and so that was... Uh, uh, so Jesus... Who he is, is he, he is the only one who's able to, to speak to what eternal life is. And in John 15, he goes on and he says, uh, uh, 
or verse 14, he says, as the Son of Man was lifted up, as, like, as, as, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, so that verse that we're all very familiar with is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. But what's the word for there? When you see the word for, you need to ask what it's there for, right? Well, it's a, it's it's a logical linking word. It's 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 telling you because it's linking it to the to the concept above. What was the concept above that Jesus will be just like the serpent was in the Old Testament when he's lifted up? The word lifted up there in the Aramaic is the same word that's used for crucify. He's pointing back to the crucifixion, or actually pointing forward to the crucifixion here in John. Jesus was crucified because God so loved the world. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. God was like the widow who gave her might, right? She gave her all. God gave his all for us. That's how he proves how much he loves us. God is all in for you. He's all in for me. He says, for God loved Dave so much that he sent his own son. That God loved Mary Jo so much that he sent his only son. That God loved Ida so much that he sent his only son. That God loved uh, Dave so much and Donna and all of it. God loved all of us so much that he sent his son. That's how that is the scope of God's love for us. That for God so loved the world that he gave. God reveals himself as a giver. He gives. Right? What does this tell us about God? His generosity, that his, his loving kindness, his grace are new every morning, that they're chasing us and pursuing us with his, with his favor, with his love, that that we uh, would not perish, but have eternal life. Our life is a life of perishing. We're born perishing, spiritually bankrupt, spiritually uh, empty. Nicodemus, though he's religious, he's living in darkness. He comes in the night, and that's one of the interesting parallels John uses here. He sets up this picture of darkness and light. You remember it from, from John chapter 1? He talked about Jesus was the true light that came into the world. And here, Nicodemus, who's in darkness as a Pharisee, steps into the light. He moves towards Jesus. And uh, John picks that up again at the end of this chapter, um, where he says that the world has rejected the light. Um, that God gave his only son. God loved the son, but the world hates uh, God. The world says that God is intolerant, right? They don't like it that this is the only way to God. And yet, this shows how incredibly gracious our God is, that we would not perish. He, doesn't, he wants us to experience the life that we were created for, um, but have eternal life. And what is eternal life? What is John talking about here? It's a very important concept in John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life, to know Jesus, the one true God, and uh, you know, thee, the one true God, and Jesus God, who thou hast sent. Um, it's a relationship. It's knowing God. We can only do that if we have the Spirit within us who gives us life to, to that relationship with God. Um, so it's not talking just about 
that, that it goes on forever. It does include that, but really he's talking about life from above. The word born again, uh, in the Greek, the word again actually means from above, born from above. It can mean both, again and from above. The only reason why it matters that you're being born a second time is because this time it's different than the first time. This time you're being born from above. Jesus is talking about this parallel between the life of God up here and our earthly existence down here. And he says that they need to intersect. Uh, So spiritually, God brings life into your physical perishing life. And that's what all of us are living lives of death, right? We're building our own kingdoms. But they're kingdoms that are empty, They're kingdoms that don't satisfy. Um, uh, uh, Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not come to condemn you. God came to take your condemnation. Romans 8, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ who, who, who by faith stand in the cross. God came so that you can know him, so that you can know his love. That's how great a love the Father has for us. Um, and so uh, it goes on and says uh, in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he did not believe in the name of the Son, only Son of God. This is the judgment that the light came into the world and the people loved the light rather than the darkness, uh, or loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wickedness, Wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. You wonder why we're anathema to our culture, why they don't understand us? It's because they can't see. It's like the difference, you know, if, if, uh, if you've ever been asleep and all of a sudden someone shines a light on you, sometimes I have my phone I'll, at night when I get up early, I'll t- turn the flashlight on, on my phone and I was like, oh, that's too bright, turn that off, turn that off, right? Uh, because... Uh, when you're used to darkness, the light is actually offensive, right? It's blinding. And so they reject us as the, even as they rejected Christ. And, but verse 21, so, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that he may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. Nicodemus takes a step towards the light. Place, when we face our faith in Christ, believe in him, according to John 3.16, Whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. We're stepping into the light, right? We're stepping into the light of the identity of who Christ is and the new identity that he gives us, according to uh, John 1.12, whoever believes in him. And so, uh, you know, eternal life that God gives us is a gift, and the rest of our life is unpacking that gift. Don't just take for granted the fact of that you, uh, you, know, you came to Christ. This is not just about fire insurance. That's not what it's about. This is not just about a ticket to heaven, although God wants you to be with him forever. This is about that God wants to have a vital, living relationship with us day by day and moment by moment through our day. That's how we can have a life of worship because that relationship has been repaired because Christ paid the price for us. Uh, and so God says that, uh, Jesus says that even a self-righteous you know, person uh, that, that's a hypocrite and religious and religiosity like a Pharisee, like Nicodemus, even they, their life, their hard stone heart can be turned to flesh. That God can touch them and, and draw them into a living 
relationship with Christ. And no matter how far you are from the gospel, or how far you feel like you're off the path, God is leaving the 99 to go get the one to bring them back. And how did he do that? By lifting up his son, just like Moses did as the snake in the wilderness, that whoever may come, right, would not perish but have eternal life. God, we praise you that you did not leave us in this world uh, with uh, a life uh, that is death, that's empty, that's a dead end. Lord, that you came and pursued us to give us the life that you created us for in your son. That if we would simply believe in him, that we could have eternal life. That we could experience that kind of vital, fresh, growing relationship with you. That more and more our lives will be brought into the light. More and more shaped by who you are to be like you. God, we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.